Hey strangers, get your tinfoil hats ready, because I'm discussing conspiracies today. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't skip this episode, because this conspiracy is one you won't want to miss, especially if you have children, because the conspiracies that I'm going to be discussing today are after your children. So stay tuned. Welcome to Strange Talk. Is your tinfoil hat on? Good, let's get to it. So today I'm going to be talking about Pizza and Elsagate. If you heard of these theories, then don't skip this one just yet, as you might learn something new. You know, who knows? So, let's start it. In the fall of 2016, the personal email account of John Podesta, 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 or Podesta, I'd say it's Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager was hacked in a spear phishing attack, and his emails were subsequently made public by Wikilinks. Proponents of the Pizzagate conspiracy theory claim that the emails contain coded messages referring to human trafficking and connecting several U.S. restaurants and high-ranking officials of the Democratic Party with an alleged child sex ring involving the Washington, D.C. and restaurant Comet Ping Pong. So all the restaurants that they're actually claiming, uh, a few of them are, uh, well, the main one usually is, uh, what's it called? Uh, Comet Ping Pong or Comet Pizza. Oh, it's Comet Ping Pong. And the other one is Besta Pizza. Tur uh, there's a website that was actually linked to it as well. And then there's another um so pretty much the reason why I'm talking about these is because uh, the conspiracy theorists say that they're just kind of like coded with their themes and their logos. For instance, the Best of Pizza, which, because this all was in 2016, like I said, in 2016, Best of Pizza's logo was almost identical symbol to the symbol that pedophiles use to show that they are a boy lover. And so a lot of the conspiracy theories jumped on that saying like, hey, that, that looks like a symbol that <laughs> means they're boy lovers. Um, but Comet Pizza is the main one. And um, here's why. Uh, I'll get into it. But first, let's talk about the emails. So in the emails, there's a lot of back and forth about eating food. And this led many of people claiming that they were using coded messages, much in the sense that pedophiles would. Here are the coded words and their meaning. The list of coded words were said to have come from the FBI to help spread awareness about pedophiles on social media. Because if you don't know, it actually is a huge issue, especially now because technology, techno, technology, ugh, technology is readily available, especially to young children. Um, I know that my daughter has a tablet. I bought her a tablet. Um, other kids are using iPod touches, iPhones. Basically, there is nowhere that you can't go that a child does not have a tablet or some type of phone, whether it's from the parents, the parents' phones, you know, they're, they're, they're surrounded by technology more than when I was growing up. Um, and Facebook had a problem with pedophiles and they were openly sharing child pornographic pictures amongst one another. Uh, they actually created a group, a, like a Facebook group, you know, how there's like, you might have one for your community and stuff like that. Like just, and that's fucking crazy. So this is the list of the code words that were used by the pedophiles on social media. Hot dog means boy. Pizza means a girl. Cheese pizza means little girl. Pasta means little boy. 
ice cream <laughs> means male prostitute and uh walnut means person of color meaning you know yeah i'm pretty sure that's self-explanatory uh map means semen and sauce means orgy so now that you know what those code words mean i'm gonna read you some of the emails <laughs> i'm gonna read you some of the emails uh, that was from that was either to john potesta or from john potesta uh, here's an email that's from his, I believe it was his assistant, Susan Sandler. Uh, this is, uh, it's to John Potesta. Here's what it entails. The realtor found a handkerchief. I think it has a map that seems pizza related. Is it yours? They can send it if you want. I know you're busy, so feel free not to respond if it's not yours or you do want it. Now remember the code words. So in that email, it says, I think it has a map that seems pizza related. So that would mean semen and then girl. Because pizza means girl and semen means map. Well, map means semen, I mean. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. I'm kind of sick. So you're going to probably hear me sniffle uh, every now and then. But I do not rest for my listeners. Okay, so um, here's the other one. It's from John Potesta responding back to that email I just read to you to Susan Sandler. He says, it's mine, but not worth worrying about. <sighs> so pretty much that's just him saying, and take this with a grain of salt, because as I said, you, you'll find out what I uh, allude to at the end of the conspiracy theories, but let me, let me, let me just press on first. So here's another one from Jim Steyer. I don't know who that is. I should have done a little bit of more research, but I couldn't find anything on who this is. If you guys know who this is, just go ahead and just let me know who it is by way of email, which is at strangetalkpodcast at outlook.com, or you can send me a DM on Instagram at strangetalkpodcast. But anyways, <clears throat> this is from Jim Steyer. Uh, this was to John Potesta and Mary Potesta, his wife. It says, hey, John. Oh, excuse me. We know you're a true master of cuisine, and we have appreciated that for years. But walnut sauce for the pasta? Mary, please tell us the straight story. Was the sauce actually very tasty? <laughs> um, so John Potesta responds to Jim Steyer and his wife, Mary Potesta. It's an amazing Liguarian dish made with crushed walnuts made into a paste. So stop being so California. <laughs> Um, so going back to the code words, if you didn't catch that, um, so he says, uh, was, but the walnut sauce for pasta. So walnut is code word for person of color and pasta we know is code word for little boy. So he's basically saying the little boy, um, that's what conspiracies theories, there is claim that is going on in this message because it could be very well that they are just simply talking about food, but you know, you never know. There are, there are very dangerous people sometimes that have power. So here's the last email that I have, which is from James Elephantis. Now James Elephantis is going to come into play in a little bit. And I'll go into who he is, but first let me get to the email. So, from James Oliphantus to John Potesta. 
Hello. Some young lawyer type friends of mine are hosting an Obama fundraiser at Comet Ping Pong on Thursday night and then watching the debate. Should be about 150 people and they are raising between $25,000 and $35,000. Would you be willing to stop by around 8 o'clock or so and make a little speech? They and I would be thrilled to have you, of course. I understand if you're not available. Also, I saw that you are reading at politics and proy soon what can we do afterward would you like to have dinner at my place big or small what do you think now there's really nothing to go there's no coded words or coded anything in this message it's just because like i said james elephantis is going to come into play and he comes into play right now as i go into the details because james elephantis is the owner of comet pizza so this is where comet pizza comes into play Comet Pizza is located in Washington, D.C. and is believed to be, by theorists, to be the main center for the human trafficking and satanic rituals because no conspiracy theory can be complete without some satanic rituals. Some even say that the logo from Comet Pizza, which sits at the top, has satanic similar symbols similar from the demon Baphomet. And for those that don't know, Baphomet is a deity that the Knights Templar were falsely accused of worshipping I'm not going to go into who the Knights Templar were. Um, if you want, go ahead and Google that because that, to explain all that, is a whole other episode on its own. So I apologize for the curious, but if you really, really, really want to know, either Google it or message me on Instagram or email. Uh, did I lose you yet, though? No, okay, good. Let's continue. So, Comet Pizza is owned by James Elephantis, and theorists claim that he is the leader of this underground human trafficking cult, or what have you. Not only was Comet Pizza part of this conspiracy, but Elephantis' Instagram account, which he has now made private due to the allegations, has a few photos that theorists say is evidence. Some photos are of random kids. There's nothing particularly sexual in the pictures, but what a lot of people have noticed was a hashtag that says Karis James. Now, many pointed out that Karis James could just be the name of the child in the photo, but then why does that hashtag appear in every photo, whether it's a boy or a girl? The photo, <coughs> um, I'm sorry, people were quick to point out after a photo was posted to Elephantis' account with money from Europe and pill bottles with the same hashtag Karis James. This led people to believe that this is a code word for the drug Karis Oprado which is used as a muscle relaxer and for bone pain. So a lot of people believe that that drug is what's used when pedophiles or, you know, people that just like to fuck children. I know that sounds very harsh for me to say it that way, but I mean, that's what they do. Um, they believe that they like to use this particular drug or actually they've also been known to use Xanax, basically things that just relax their victims so that way they can do what it is that they like to do to them and so a lot of people believe that it's basically them just promoting you know themselves not promoting themselves in a sense a lot of people just believe that the best way to hide is to hide in plain sight and that's what a lot of people believe that they're doing is just hiding in plain sight so going back to john potessa um John Potesta and his brother Potesta were actually, by conspiracy theorists, alleged to be a part of um, the kidnapping of Madeline McCain uh, back in 2007 when she was staying with her family and vacationing in Portugal at a 
local result resort result resort jesus um so basically another part of the conspiracy theory was a supposed link between the potesta brothers and the child abduction case of madeline mccain on may 3rd 2007 uh to efit also known as electronic facial identification technique photos were released by british detectives um and they were repeatedly used by conspiracy theorists as their alleged involvement in Madeline McCain's abduction. And even Madeline McCain's abduction is a weird fucking case all on its own. Um, just to give a brief description of Madeline McCain, uh, apparently what happened was she was, um, Madeline McCain's parents were staying and they were actually invited by um, uh, John and Tony Podesta to have drinks with them um, close by in another uh, room not in another room, but like in another area of the resort to have drinks. And uh, it was around 3 a.m., I think, when they finally returned home and they saw the window to where um, Madeline's room was ajar and she was missing. Um, and the police sketches do look like them. To be completely honest, it does look like them. But, um, you know, obviously John and Tony has said that, you know, they are not involved with this whatsoever. But however, the two EFITs were based on descriptions of a single suspect by two witnesses, not two different suspects. A crucial detail that was actually left out. Uh, most conspiracy theories did not actually provide that information that it was the, the photo that they are discussing that says looks both like John and Tony are actually from the same person but i'm not from the same person i'm sorry they were actually told um they're basically two different drawings but of the same person they're not two separate people um so according to the guardian the witnesses uh the witnesses described the man as a white age between 20 and 40 with short brown hair of medium build and medium height and clean shaven. In 2007, Tony Podesta was 64 and John Podesta was 58. So the information that Podestas were in Portugal is solely sourced to FBI and then quoted in Victorious Libertas, a conspiracy-minded news site that suggests, among other things, that the Titanic was deliberately sunk and that the Queen of England is a reptilian alien. So it's shit like that, like the whole reptiles and stuff, because that is a real conspiracy. Um, it's shit like that that actually gives conspiracy theorists bad names. Um, but there are people who really do truly believe that um, there are reptilians in the government. I am not one of them. I do not believe that. I think that is completely absurd and just frankly just stupid. That is not true whatsoever. But I do believe maybe John Podesta and Tony Podesta did not have anything to do with Madeline McCain's disappearance. Maybe they did, who knows, because people that are in power have the ability to do harm and to do evil. Because um, at the end, after I'm done talking and speaking about Elsagate, I'm going to be going over something that actually did happen similar to Pizzagate. Um, so you want to stay tuned for that because this is, it started off as a conspiracy theory and it actually became it actually turned out to be very true. So that's why I'm saying conspiracy theories, although they do sound ridiculous and although it might be some person just crazy dissecting everything and seeing things that they just want to see, sometimes conspiracy theories can prove to actually be true. 
I mean, take for instance, a few examples of conspiracy theories that actually turned out to be true was uh, in the 90s, uh, the CIA purposely um, supplied drugs, mainly crack cocaine, to urban areas, predominantly with um, African-Americans, uh, to not only arrest them, not only to make to just basically further just harm the african-american communities and to just keep them fighting amongst each other because it was a very sought after drug at that time but it was also used the money was used to fund the war in iraq during the 90s so that was an actual conspiracy theory that turned out true and you can loop that up and actually find out that it is true yes it is very true and also Another conspiracy that actually turned out to be true was the Project MK Ultra. I know I sound very, very fucking crazy, but that is very true. And MK Ultra was a project that I started, I think, either in the 50s or the 60s. And it was a project that was basically using LSD to see if there was any type of um, properties that LSD could make it where you could actually control people. So people do believe. Conspiracy theories do believe that MK Ultra is actually still around, and that they just switched from LSD to actually technology, whereas the TV is used to control our minds and make us feel certain ways. But also, um, it was also found out that Facebook might be part of the MK Ultra. I know I sound like I'm fucking crazy, <laughs> just like ramblings of a madman. But it, you could look this up also as well. That Facebook was linked to some type of MK Ultra programming, where it was actually controlling people's emotions to feel either sad or um, angry or happy, based upon your feed. Seeing what was basically on your feed, uh, for instance, you would see. If they wanted you to feel sad, they would basically show a bunch of very sad news articles. In your feed because you know as you're searching through facebook if you don't use facebook good i don't really use facebook as much but yeah so you know those are a couple of conspiracy theories that actually turn out to be very true so if you don't believe me go ahead and google it okay oh, i hate being sick so um going back to the whole john potesta and madeline mccain as I said, Madeline McCain's case is very um, strange of itself. Uh, just to give a few descriptions, I'll probably do an episode on it because it is a very interesting case, nonetheless. Because there's one point that I saw when I was actually studying the case. There was one point where Madeline McCain's mother wrote a book. And in the book, I mean, part of me feels like that's a very strange thing to say. But I mean... I've never experienced the loss or the kidnapping of a child, and I hope that I wish that upon no parent. No parent should have to go through that. No parent should have to bury their child. No parent should have to suffer the loss of their child. It is a very hard thing, and you can't really begin to imagine what a person goes through. But at the same time, having said that, I do find it a little strange because Madeline McCain's mother had wrote a book about the ordeal, and in a section of the of the book she ex goes on to explain how she felt and one of the things she thought she said that she thought that i can't imagine what this man is doing to my daughter i can't uh, this is literally word for word what she said right now word for word verbatim i can't imagine what he may be doing to my daughter i can't imagine him and his penis stretching my daughter's little vagina that's 
honestly what she said in her book. You can go buy that book from Amazon, go to Barnes and Nobles. You can literally hear, read that in that in that book. That's literally what she says. And like I said, I've never experienced the loss of a child or anything like that. But I can't. I wouldn't think of that. I well, I don't know. But I'm just saying that that to me is a little strange to want to think about that. That's a horrible thing to think about. But it's probably something that probably you would think about. I don't know, you know. But I, I do find it a little strange, especially for her. To, maybe maybe I probably would think about that, but I would keep it to myself. I wouldn't write it in a book. But another interesting part about the case was that um, cadaver dogs were actually um, in the house. And in a particular area, I believe, where the laundry area was at, the dogs um, were kind of signaling like as if there was um, like the smell of a decomposed body. So this led a lot of people to believe that and it's kind of what I believe too. Um, not a hundred percent. I would say maybe about twenty-five percent believe that the parents were responsible for the death of their child, whether it was by accident or something. But there, um, there was a documentary. I forgot the name of the documentary. Oh, I wish I could remember it. But it was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there, but it was on Netflix, and we, I saw it, and. In the documentary, they go on to explain that the cadaver dogs found some signs of a decomposing body in the laundromat. And uh, when um, you know police detectives went in there to investigate, they happened to find some DNA blood, but it wasn't enough to get a positive, like if it was Madeline McCain's blood or if it was somebody else's blood, but it was blood nonetheless. And so um, that's why a lot of people and I sort of believe, 25% believe that the parents were responsible for the death of their daughter, Madeline McCain, but because they're people of high power and they have wealth, they're able to, you know, not be charged for the murder of their daughter. But who really knows? Only they, and if you believe in them, God knows um, what they did. Um, so that's kind of really all it of... Pizzagate. Um, but to continue on with Pizzagate, Pizzagate was actually debunked. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the website Snopes.com. Snopes.com is basically a website that tracks stories and they get to the root if it's true or if it's not. And they said that the, it, it's basically debunked. So let me go. <laughs> let me present to you with uh, not the evidence, but their reasoning of why um, and their research. So Pizzagate is a debunked conspiracy theory that went viral during the 2016 United States presidential election cycle. The conspiracy theory has been extensively discredited and debunked by a wide array of organizations, including the Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia. Um, so basically it was started by members of the alt-right and other opponents of Clinton's presidential campaign, and they spread the conspiracy theory on social media outlets, such as the website 4chan and Twitter. A man from North Carolina traveled to Comet Ping Pong to investigate this conspiracy. Um, and on this particular incident is he actually fired a rifle inside of the restaurant. And it actually made life 
kind of hard for employees and the owner of Comet Pizza. Uh, I'm sorry, Comet Ping Pong. Uh, very, very miserable because they received a lot of death threats. So on to that um, shooting at Common Ping Pong. On December 4th, 2016, Edgar Madison Welch, a 20-year-old man from Salisbury, North Carolina, fired three shots in the restaurant with an AR-15 style rifle, striking walls, a desk, and a door. Welch later told police that he had planned to self-investigate the conspiracy theory. Welch saw himself as the potential hero of the story and a rescuer of children. Uh, he had good intentions. Uh, he surrendered after offers surrounded the restaurant and was arrested without incident, and no one was injured. Welch told police he had read online that the Comet restaurant was harboring child sex slaves and that he wanted to see himself if, if they were there. In an interview with the New York Times, Welch later said that he regretted how he had handled the situation but did not dismiss the conspiracy theory and rejected the description of it as fake news. Some conspiracy theorists have speculated that the shooting was a staged attempt to discredit their investigations. So some uh, conspiracy theories basically just said that, no way, this is this fake news itself. This man just did it. It's like a false flag operation, so that way they can... Basically, stop continuing the investigation. Um, so basically, Welch was uh, charged with one count of interstate transportation of a firearm with intent to commit an offense, which is a federal crime. Uh, so back to the debunking. The conspiracy theory has been widely discredited and debunked. It has been judged to be false after detailed investigation by the fact-checking website Snopes.com and the New York Times and numerous news organizations have debunked it as a conspiracy theory, including the New York Observer and a bunch of other uh, news media outlets. And they just basically consider it as fictitious. Much of the proposed evidence cited by the conspiracy theories proponents had been taken from entirely different sources and made to appear as if they supported the conspiracy. Images of children, of family, and friends of the pizzeria's staff were taken from social media sites such as Instagram and claimed to be photos of victims. So like I said earlier, uh, James Elephantis' Instagram account. I've seen a couple of videos like on YouTube and stuff explaining um, Pizzagate. And some of the photos that they do show... To be completely honest, to the untrained eye, okay, to the untrained eye, you probably could not tell that some of these were photoshopped. But one particular photo I saw was of this woman with a British accent. Maybe you might have seen it. She is speaking about a photo that was seen of uh, of a of a artistic picture in a gallery. And you can see, I guess it's supposed to be um, a worker or a guard that is uh, slumped over, almost looks like as if he's napping. And she goes on to explain that this was presented in an art museum, and it's supposed to be art. And the picture is of a little, it's censored, but there's a picture of what looks to be like, uh, she says, she claims in her words, it is a four-year-old girl uh, with, being penetrated by a much older looking man. You don't see any faces, but the fact that there is something in there is obviously going to be shocking, but you can completely tell that that photo is Photoshop. And this is what I mean by 
it gives conspiracy theories a bad name when there are people out there like that that are trying to perpetrate that as evidence because you can completely tell that it is fucking photoshopped. And people that don't know will actually look at that and believe that that's real if they are none the wiser. And shit like that really, really, really fucking irks me. Um, so, um, on December 10th, 2016, the New York Times published an article that analyzed the claims that the theory proposed. They emphasized that theorists linked the conspiracy to Comet Ping Pong through similarities between company logos and symbols related to Satanism and pedophilia. However, the Times noted that similarities were also found in the logos of a number of unrelated companies such as AOL, Time Warner, and MSN to name a few. Theorists claimed an underground network beneath Comet Ping Pong, however, the restaurant actually has no basement, and the picture used to support this claim was taken from another facility which James Elephantis happened to own. Theorists claimed to have a picture of restaurant owner Elephantis wearing a t-shirt endorsing pedophilia. pedophilia. However, the image was of another person, and the shirt, which read J.L. Efant was actually a reference to the Le Efant Cafe bar in Washington, D.C. His owner was pictured in the image, which itself is named after Pierre-Charles Le Efant, designer of much of the layout of Washington, D.C. Theorists claimed John and Tony Podesta kidnapped Madeline McCain using police sketches that were, in fact, two sketches of the same suspect taken from the descriptions of two eyewitnesses. No alleged victims have came forward, and no physical evidence has been found. <clears throat> so, like I said, knowing that technically this theory has been debunked doesn't necessarily mean that it's not happening. We all know that human trafficking is a real thing. We all know that children are kidnapped every day, and that doesn't mean that there isn't people that are in power that are able to do something like this. Because as I said, something similar has happened to this back in, and it happened in the 80s. Uh, it involves a man by the name John DeCamp, who was a politician from the state of Nebraska. And he's also a member of the Republican Party. He wasn't the perpetrator, but he was someone who voiced his concern of this conspiracy theory. Um, that is called the Franklin cover-up, so stay tuned if you want to hear that. It's going to be coming after the segment, which is going to be continuing after Pizzagate, which is called Elsagate, which involves YouTube. But first, some word from my sponsor. The holidays are right around the corner. And if you've been on the fence about trying Killer Trace, now is better than ever to ask somebody to gift it Killer Trace to you, or why not give somebody the gift of Killer Trace? Uh, Killer Trace is a subscription-based box where they send you a monthly box that contains a cold case where you can try to solve who the killer is by finding the clues and analyzing them. It's great to do with a friend, it's great to do by yourself, but what's even better and more exciting is Killer Trace recently released the True Detectives Kit, which comes for a massive amount of cold case solving fun, might I add to you. And you can do it at a party, and it's Christmas time, so why not do something with the family? 
It's like playing the game of Clue, but only 10 times better. So now, more than ever, it's the gift of giving. So give killertrace.com. Visit my URL code, which is killertrace.com forward slash strange talk podcast 2088. I know that's a mouthful, but it's killertrace.com forward slash strange talk podcast 2088 2088 use my coupon code strange talk podcast 2088 to save 20 percent off your first box that's killer trace good luck now back to the show so thank you to killertrace.com for sponsoring this episode of strange talk podcast now let's get to elsa gate so elsa gate is a neologism referring to the controversy surrounding child-friendly videos on YouTube and YouTube Kids, which contain themes that are inappropriate for children. Most videos under this classification are notable for presenting content such as violence, sexual situations, fetishes, drugs, alcohol, and toilet humor. Yes, you heard that right. Toilet humor. And dangerous or upsetting situations and activities. The videos often feature popular characters from family-oriented media, sometimes via crossovers used without legal permission. It's copyrighted material. The term itself is composed of Elsa, the character from the 2013 animated film by Disney called Frozen, who is frequently depicted in such videos, and gate is a suffix for scandals. However, the Elsa Gate controversy has also included channels such as Toy Freaks that do not feature child, family-friendly characters, but real children, and have raised concern about possible child abuse. Um, so, recently, I don't think it was recently, I think it was maybe about in early 2017, or maybe the beginning of 2018, the channel Toy Freaks was actually deleted by YouTube because they did deem it as um inappropriate for children and i've seen some of the videos of toy freaks it's actually ran by the children's father and in the videos it's mainly starring the father and his two daughters and he has them do very odd things and i i don't think it was mainly deleted for it could be a tribute tributing to it but i feel the reason why it was deleted was because of the fact that he was um well in my opinion and countless other youtubers opinions he was using a system known as bot viewing and bot viewing is basically you sign up for it you can pay for it and it basically just sends a bunch of bots to view your youtube videos because he had a very very big amount of views for his videos uh reaching the 73 million view um rankings but his videos depicted him, him doing odd things with his daughters. Like one, it, it, he has them act like babies, even though they look like they're between the ages of 10 to 13. And he has them act like children. He feeds them peanut butter in there. So a lot of people just felt like it was kind of odd for him to just be doing that with his daughter. And it almost seemed kind of exploitive, um, like he was exploiting his two daughters. But surprisingly enough he actually amassed quite a bit of a following mainly with young children too because there was uh when i happened to do the research for this episode and i was looking up this channel and that's how i kind of found out it was deleted i didn't know straightforward going into it that it was deleted but there was a child a little girl 
she looked like maybe she was about uh, eight or ten. She had made a video crying, <laughs> like maybe she was pretending, but she was crying in the video, saying how she misses the channel Toy Freaks because she would spend her days after school watching it, and she wishes that it comes back. I do believe they are back under a different name, almost similar. Um, it's called Toy Geeks. They don't really show themselves as much, but it it does seem like it may be ran by the same father. Um, so. Continuing on with Elsegate, most videos in this category are either live action films or crude digital animations, although a few channels have been using more elaborate techniques such as clay animation. Despite YouTube's age restriction policies, these videos are sometimes tagged in such a way to circumvent the inbuilt child safety algorithms. So for those of you that don't know, YouTube has an algorithm that is operated by an AI system where they filter out certain words to see if they need to age restrict the video. So they've been kind of, most of these channels have been um, basically finding loopholes in the videos. So they're able to get their videos on the YouTube app. I mean the YouTube app and the, mainly the YouTube kids app. Um, and it's been kind of an issue because more so than on YouTube, parents have been noticing that these types of videos are showing up more on the YouTube kids apps. And the reason for that is, some people speculate that the reason for that is so that way kids are going to just constantly be watching it because kids are going to be constantly using the YouTube app because, you know, technology is so readily available. They're going to be constantly holding their tablet and just watching the ad. Sometimes maybe if they're old enough and they learn how to skip it, they won't necessarily skip the ads. So a lot of people believe that it's their way of basically milking the system and having and the reasoning for using these uh, characters is so that way they're going to be going on the YouTube Kids app because of the algorithm. It's going to just see the word Elsa. Therefore, oh, okay, Elsa is a child-friendly character. We can put it on the YouTube Kids app. And therefore, the kids are going to be watching the video. And this, they're not going to skip the ad if they don't know to skip, how to skip the ad. So they're going to be getting paid. And some... and. Looking up into the research of this, some of these videos, I mean, some of these uh, channels are making upwards to a million dollars more than a million dollars a year. It's actually kind of crazy. So it is kind of a lucrative system nonetheless. So despite YouTube's age restriction policies, these videos are sometimes tagged in such a way to circumvent the inbuilt child safety algorithms, even making their way into YouTube kids and are thus difficult to moderate due to the large scale of the platform. In order to capture search results and attract attention from users, their titles and description feature names of famous characters, as well as keywords like education, learned colors, nursery rhymes, and etc. They also include automatically placed ads, making them lucrative to their owners and to YouTube. Despite the objectionable and often confusing nature of these videos, many attract millions of views. Oh my goodness, I hate being sick, but I want to get this episode done. Well, criticism of the channels themselves have existed since at least 2016. Public awareness of the phenomenon grew in 2017 as it became part of a broader controversy about child safety on YouTube. That year, after reports by several media outlets, YouTube adopted stricter guidelines regarding children's content. 
In late November, the company started to mass delete channels and videos following into the Elsegate category, as well as large amounts of inappropriate videos or users' comments related to children. Elsegate channels have existed since at least 2014. In June of 2016, The Guardian published an article about the child's webs and tiaras, which had been created in March of that same year, apparently based out in Canada. Webs and Tierras had become, in two months, YouTube's third most viewed channel with about 1.7 billion views. The channel showed people dressed as characters like Spider-Man, Elsa, and Joker engaging in, engaging in bizarre and nonsensical actions. The videos had background music but no dialogue. The article reported that several near-identical channels named Toy Monster, The Superhero's Life, and The Kids Club had appeared on YouTube. And a lot of these videos are very, some of them are very violent. Some of them, like I said, involve toilet humor. Like, there was one that it didn't even hide what these videos were about. If you looked at the the, the, the thumbnails, one was titled, uh, I believe it was um, Spider-Man Gives Elsa Pee-Pee Bath. <laughs> like, no fucking joke. That's really what the fucking title said. And it showed a thumbnail of, like, Elsa like crying and she has what looks like pee on, all over her. Um, I think that video has since been deleted, but um, just because uh, it's it's just fucking weird. And there was another one that I actually had seen from this. I don't remember the name of the channel. I will try to find it and I will try to post it to my Instagram, which you can follow at Strange Talk Podcast. Um. And the video, this one involved actual people, and it was a little girl. She, it starts off with her sitting on the bed, and then the camera slowly pans out, zooms out to show a person wearing a costume, like a mask, a scary, weird-looking mask, crawling towards her. And it's very weird. And so she first acts surprised, then the camera just fucking skips to the next scene, and it shows him tying her up. And then it shows her sitting down, it skips to the next scene, and then it shows her sitting down on a chair, and the person begins tying her up. But as he, as he's tying her up, it slowly starts, her, her demeanor starts changing, and she kind of becomes frightened, and she starts crying. But it doesn't look like she's pretending to cry. It looks like she's actually crying, like she's scared. Maybe they did it on purpose to get more of an authentic feel, but the fact is, this is a YouTube channel. What the fuck purpose do they need? This isn't method acting that they need to be. It's a fucking YouTube video. And it's just very, very, very weird to see. I actually saw that video in a documentary about Elsagate. So a lot of these videos that are being made are actually coming from India and Vietnam and Korea. Um, I don't know if it's because they just got the idea to just do it. But it's just a, I mean, because as I said earlier, they are very strange videos and they actually make a lot of money because they're just constantly being viewed. And I don't know if it's because of the child, but I'll get into the conspiracy theory after I read more about the videos. So um, these videos could also be found in a local video platforms in China where YouTube is blocked, including Tencent, um, Yuku, and IQE. Uh, that's I-Q-I-Y-E. Uh, Tencent has set up a specific team to monitor its video platform. So it's basically Asian alternative YouTube um, platform um, websites. And permanently shut down 121 accounts and blocked more than 4,000 search keywords by January 8, 2018. The Ministry of Public Security of China suggested that 
netizens should report these videos once found. Several celebrities, including rapper B.O.B. and comedian Joe Rogan, brought awareness to the problem. On November 4th, 2017, the New York Times published an article about the startling video slipping past YouTube's filters and disturbing children. Either by mistake or because bad actors have found ways to fool the YouTube kids' algorithms. On November 6th, author James Bridal published a medium on a medium a piece. Ah, my God, I'm gonna reread that. On November 6th, author James Bridal published on Medium a piece titled Something is Wrong on the Internet, in which he commented about the thousands and thousands of these videos. Someone or something or some combination of people and things is using YouTube to systematically frighten, dramatize, and abuse children automatically and at scale. Bridal also observed that the confusing content of many videos seem to result from the constant overlaying and intermixing of various popular tropes, characters, and keywords. As a result, even videos with actual humans started resembling automated content, while obvious parodies and even the shadier knockoffs interacted with the legions of algorithmic content producers until it became completely impossible to know what is going on. And on November 17th, Internet commentator Philip DeFranco posted a video addressing the insane YouTube kids problem. So it's been pretty... It, excuse me. If you've never heard of this, then I'm surprised. But um, it's kind of been... It's died down recently. Maybe because YouTube is kind of keeping everybody hush-hush on it. Because there's no way they can truly solve this problem without them having to hire actual... Because I remember back when YouTube was still kind of... Not super new, but it was still fairly new. YouTube used to actually hire people to watch videos to make sure that there's nothing in there that's inappropriate. But obviously that problem's hard because there's millions of YouTube videos uploaded each day. I think I read some in some article that every 30 seconds there's at least 10,000 YouTube videos being uploaded to the, you know, YouTube.com. So that's insane. That It would take years actually it would take like more than i think two lifetimes to actually finish all of the youtube videos that are on youtube and that's not even counting the ones that are being uploaded every 30 seconds so it would be an impossible job to keep track of so that's why they created the ai algorithm to basically just filter all the content that's on there but here's where the conspiracy theory comes in so a lot of um people especially like on reddit and 4chan the website They've gone and said the conspiracy theory is this, that these videos are being used to manipulate children and to basically program children to be susceptible to being more easily targeted to child molestation by pedophiles. So I'll start with the most, not the most insane, it is actually insane, so I take that back. I'll start with the most drastic and worst case scenario of the conspiracy theories because there are... I think maybe one or two conspiracy theories, but the, the number one that is the drastic and most sinister of it is that it is created by the New World Order. <laughs> and that So get your tin hat foil on if you don't already have it on, because here I go. So it was created by NWO, also known as New World Order, to basically manipulate the children into being more susceptible to human trafficking and child pe pedophilia behavior. Because a lot of the videos that I've seen within documentaries that claim these are from accounts on YouTube 
that are hosting these types of videos. One of the videos starts off where you hear pleasantly sounding music and then it stops and it, you hear a voice almost automated saying your color is red and then your word is transformers and then just weird fucking scary sounding sounds. Um, I want to try to find the sound of the video, but I feel like I it would be a little bit too much. It's not super scary because I've done disturbing 911 calls and that's just pretty fucked up and exploitive just a tad little bit. But the video is fucking weird. And they say this is basically a technique that is used in MK Ultra techniques where they're basically trying to mold the minds of the person that they're trying to manipulate to behave this way. And they're just, it's basically either either one group or many of the groups that have gotten together to basically create this content to make that type of behavior that is shown in the videos to seem normal to young impressionable minds. So that way they don't think anything is wrong with it. Which is why a lot of the video and the content in these videos have things where it's like Mickey Mouse. There's one, it was a popular song for a while because the new popular kid song is Baby Shark. So I'm not surprised if there isn't a video out there that's fucked up with Baby Shark. But there was another popular song before Baby Shark that was called, I believe, Finger Family. And it's like, Daddy Finger, Daddy Finger, where are you? Or some shit like that. I don't know, because luckily that was before my daughter. So she's not into that. I can tolerate Baby Shark. I just can't tolerate that daddy finger family finger shit song but anyways the video showed one of the videos that i've seen it shows mickey mouse singing the song and the voice actor is very horribly bad it's animated to give you that and it's it's and it shows him counting his fingers singing the song but every time he he goes to another finger he takes a gun and he shoots his finger off and that's very disturbing to show for a child now it is the the channel did come out and say that oh it was accidentally set to be for children and it's not supposed to be for children we are intended to make the content for age appropriate adults so who knows it could be fucking you know or not so this is the effect that they believe it has on the children several parents or peers posting on the r elsagate subreddit expressed fears that the videos were dramatizing to children the new york times quoted Pediatrics professor Michael Rich, who confirmed that these videos were potentially harmful to children who could find them even more upsetting as characters they thought they knew and trusted, were shown behaving in an improper or violent manner. So, in August of 2017, YouTube announced the new guidelines on content and monetization. In an ongoing series of efforts to, demon to demonetize controversial and offensive videos, it was announced that creators would no longer be able to monetize videos which made inappropriate use of family-friendly characters. In November of the same year, it announced that it would be implementing a new policy that age restricts this content in the YouTube main app when flagged. The controversy extended to channels which featured not necessarily children's characters but actual children, who sometimes perform inappropriate or dangerous activities under the guidance of adults. As part of a broader action YouTube deleted the channel Toy Freaks, which featured a father, which I talked about earlier, Greg Chisholm, and his two daughters in potentially abusive situations. Chisholm was subsequently investigated by child protective officials in Illinois and Missouri for alleged child abuse. 
In December 2017, authorities announced that Chisholm, the father that created the channel Toy Freaks, would not face criminal charges before its removal. The channel had over 8.5 million subscribers. See what I mean? This guy either is a freak, um, maybe pedophile, but I mean, I hate to sound so cynical and just think the worst of people, but just because Child Protective Services have never didn't find anything on him doesn't mean he's technically squeaky clean because for instance child protective services are meant to protect children um and sometimes they don't always do that because they don't fully do their job as much as they're supposed to and i hate to talk bad about it um and generalize all of child protective services because i'm sure there's good people in there but take for example the case of omar or marion I don't remember his last name, but the podcast um, Sword and Scale recently announced that episode and it came out. And that story is very, very fucking sad. He was being abused by his um, stepfather and his mother, so much so that his mother actually killed him by kicking him to death. Um, and she blamed it on um, him saying that it was a freak accident and that he fell off a horse that he would play on. You know, it's kind of like, um, I guess the way I could explain it is like, you know, those horses that are kind of hooked to bungee cords and the kids are able to sit on it and bounce. It, that's what he was sitting on. And supposedly he lost his balance, fell, hit his, landed on his head in a freak accident way, and he died because of that. But autopsy reports later showed that he died due to uh, abdominal bleeding um, from hemorrhaging because she kicked him so much. But Child Protective Services were kind of aware of the situation yet they didn't really do anything because the family when they were being investigated presented themselves to not be abusive like the way they claim but in the podcast episode of sword and scale they actually you can hear the phone call of when they're yelling at him and it's actually very sad it, i'm not gonna lie it kind of made me very sad and it pissed me off to just hear him the way they were talking to him and stuff it, it, it was very sad but like i said so anyways, as I, I'm going to continue on, it was also revealed in the media that many videos featuring minors frequently uploaded by the children themselves and showing innocent content had attracted comments from pedophiles. Some of these videos were monetized. As a result of the controversy, several major advertisers froze spending on YouTube. So eh, that's probably why YouTube started cracking down on it because they're like, oh shit, we're losing money, guys. We got to do our jobs. Do we got to do our job though? It's so hard. Anyways, on November 22nd, 2017, YouTube announced that it had deleted over 50 channels and thousands of videos which did not fit the new guidelines. On November 27th, the company said in a statement to BuzzFeed News that it had terminated more than 270 accounts and removed over 150,000 videos, turned off comments on more than 625,000 videos targeted by child predators and removed ads from nearly 2 million videos and over 50,000 channels and masquerading as family-friendly content. Forbes commented that many problematic videos could still be seen on the platform and that the sheer volume of videos have hastily deleted from the site proved that YouTube's algorithms were utterly ineffective and in protecting young children. So, the motives behind these videos are unknown, although The Verge pointed out that the contents may be fascinating to children, as many of the videos have millions of views and include advertisements. 
The New York Times suggested the videos are financially lucrative. Elsegay also became the subject of a conspiracy theory that states the videos are attempting to normalize pedophilia or sexual abuse against minors. Some also suggest that videos may be related to brainwashing and that seemingly gibberish replies below the videos are coded messages. That is also another thing. Uh, some of these channels um, in the description of the videos, there is a bunch of gibberish, but when decoded, some of them actually have messages that lead you to either another website or another video. And it, it kind of, it, it's kind of like just following, falling down a rabbit hole. Um, so just be sure, um, we're kind of getting to the end of this episode, but if you are a parent, just please spend a little bit extra. I'm not saying that you don't, but I'm just saying if your child is on YouTube or any media streaming application, just spend that little extra time to just see what they're watching and explain to them that it's either not real or, you know, hey, you shouldn't be watching this. If they get mad, they get mad, and that's life. But we have to do all we can in protecting our loved ones because it is a sick, sick, fucked up, sad world out there, and there are people that wish to cause you harm. So thank you for listening to today's episode of Strange Talk Podcast about the conspiracies. You are free to remove your tinfoil hat right now. But if you made it to this point in time in the video, give yourselves a round of applause because you made it through a conspiracy theory. And it is just a theory, but who knows? But like I said, before I end this episode, I want to talk about the Franklin cover-up. So the Franklin cover-up was proved to be, well, by federal grand juries, to be just merely allegations and a carefully crafted hoax. But to me, I feel it's very real because the only reason why I feel it's real and it's not just a bunch of smoke and mirrors is because John DeCamp, who was a politician um, for that served in the legislature for Nebraska in 1971, he was the one that actually came forward and said, there's this stuff that's coming on. So here it goes, the allegations. In 1988, authorities looked into allegations that prominent citizens of Nebraska, as well as high-level U.S. politicians, were involved in a child prostitution ring. Alleged abuse victims were interviewed, who claimed that children in foster care were flown to the east coast of the United States to be sexually abused at what they called bad parties. The claims primarily centered on Loris E. King Jr., who ran the now-defunct Franklin Community Federal Credit Union in Omaha, Nebraska and alleged that the ring was a cult of devil worshippers involved in the mutilation, sacrifice, and cannibalism of numerous children. So, like I said, if you took your tin hat full, if you took your tin foil hat off, put it back on because it's still technically another conspiracy theory. Uh, numerous conspiracy theories involved claiming that the alleged abuse was part of widespread series of crimes, including devil worship, cannibalism, drug trafficking, and CIA arms dealing. So. The Nebraska State Foster Care Review Board um, submitted the results of a two-year investigation into the alleged physical and sexual abuse of foster children to the executive board of the Nebraska legislator, who were investigating reports of child sexual abuse linked to the credit union. After an investigation, a grand jury in Douglas County, where Omaha, Nebraska is situated, determined the abuse allegations were baseless, describing them as carefully 
as a carefully crafted hoax and indicating two of the original accusers on pre-jury charges. There was actually a documentary that came out after this. I believe you want to say it came out in either the early 2000s or late 90s called The Franklin Cover-Up, and it involved John DeCamp, who actually wrote a book under the same name, Frank, The Franklin Cover-Up. So you can go ahead and check that book out if you're very curious. But if you don't have time to read like I do, you can go ahead and check out the podcast, last podcast on the left. They are way better at storytelling. They are way better at telling conspiracy theories than I will ever be. They are 100% more funnier than I but if you just want to hear an interesting telling of the Franklin cover-up, go ahead and look up that episode. It's a fairly old episode, but it's a good episode. They go into details about the documentary. They go into the details of what went on. And um, I could be wrong, but I know one of them, if not all, one of them strongly believes that this actually is true and that it's not even a hoax at all. It actually really happened because he does make a fair point when he says it. I just don't remember what that point was. I'm very terrible. I know. But I mean, I do believe that something like this is happening or something like this has happened in case in point, the Franklin cover up, because I mean, children go missing every day. That doesn't mean to say that it is just one sick to pray person that is doing it, but it's just, it's just crazy how there's a lot of things that seem to go unnoticed with certain things. Like, take, for instance, the whole Tumblr situation. I don't know if you heard about it, but Tumblr has recently announced that they're going to be banning adult content. And I know that a lot of people are upset because they feel, especially the LGBTQ, whatever, whatever letters come after that. Sorry if I offend anybody. But I know a lot of them are upset with that because they felt like Tumblr was a safe haven for them to express themselves. And, and you know, free speech is getting thrown around a lot. But the reason for this, the reason for Tumblr banning isn't has to do with the fact that they're trying to keep adult content out. They've come out and said the reason why. You just have to do the research to find it yourself. But I got curious and I wanted to know why they're actually banning the adult content. I thought it was honestly because people like teens were just wanting to see like pornography without actually looking up you know, porn websites, it makes them easier to hide what they're doing because they could just be like, oh, mom, I'm on Tumblr. I'm, I'm reading a blog about Tumblr. I kind of sounded like Andre the Giant a little bit. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so the reason that um, Tumblr is banning adult content is actually because of child pornography. And it isn't because adults are sharing the child pornography. The child pornography in the sense is the teens themselves, little uh Basically, young children and teenagers and preteens are basically uploading pictures of themselves in very provocative ways. And they said that there was no way that they could put a stop to it without banning adult content. So that way, they're basically implementing a new system that when you upload a photo, it the algorithm is going to look at the photo and it's going to deem if it's sexual or not. Pretty much the same way that Instagram handles it. Even though Instagram, you can get away with some shit on Instagram. Um, but you, women aren't allowed to show their nipples or their areola, really, I think. Actually, I think they're okay with showing areola. They just can't show the actual nipple, which is very weird. I mean, I'm not one that's saying, hey, women are free to do whatever they feel. If they want to choose to expose themselves in that way, I shouldn't really use the word expose because it seems like it has a bad connotation with it. But if you're the type that wants to express yourself, I guess, in a very artistic manner, in a 
provocative manner, you are free to do so. But I don't. I think if you are of age, obviously, you should be allowed to do that. Because, I mean, I hate to sound like a white knight, but if a man can wear, a, don't doesn't have to wear a shirt and can post a picture on Instagram, you know, then and not have anything done about it, then why can't a woman? But I mean, I don't own Instagram. But <clears throat> so that's why um, Tumblr is banning adult content because it has to do with child pornography, and it's actually not being coming from adults; it's just coming from the teenagers themselves. I know Snapchat; that is a huge problem for Snapchat as well. And it's not even because adults are sharing it; it's just because, like I said, um, technology is so readily available, and Snapchat is used as a way to send pictures. Teens are sending pictures to their boyfriends, to the guys they like. Guys are sending pictures to the girls they like, and it's becoming a problem. Obviously, Snapchat can delete those photos. Well, it doesn't. I think when I looked it up during the research for Pizza and Elsa Gate, I I want to say the article said that Snapchat still is able to keep the photos. They just kind of store them in a cloud server, but the photo themselves to the user are it's deleted. But it's actually being stored on the cloud server, so they are admitting that there is a, a is a problem with child pornography on theirs. Because just because, like, maybe I maybe not you, but to me, when before when I was naive, child pornography to me was just like a person that made a child porn video with uh, a minor. But it's actually anything that involves a child, obviously, is child pornography. But in the sense that. There was a case, I want to say, in 1999 or maybe 2003. I feel like it's 2003. In 2003, there was a boy who um, this girl liked him. And the way that she showed that she liked him, she texted him a picture of herself naked with the message that I want to be with you. And he, I think he was 12 and she might have been the same age or a year younger. He happened to just show his friend and that friend was like oh man that's cool whatever whatever you know i guess fucking idiot kids you know and word spread and somehow a teacher got wind of what the student had sent to him so when that happened he went to the principal's office the principal's office called the respective parents they talked about it but I don't know if it was the parents of the daughter that wanted to do something about it, whether they wanted to press charges, but it went to court and there was going to be a legal battle where the courts were going to charge him as a sex offender. And he was only 12 years old and he would have to register as a sex offender at 12 years old. Luckily, I think I want to say in 2006, three years, you know, all the litigation and everything, they finally dropped the charges and he won't have to register as a sex offender and he was only 12 years old and that would suck because they would have to because he admitted saying that i didn't really ask her to send that picture and he showed his cell phone like i didn't know where in there did i ask for her to send me a picture um people can argue that well he could have easily deleted it which is very true he could have deleted the messages saying like well hey send me the picture and just you know pin it all on her like she just sent it without unbeknownst to him but who knows we don't really know the answer but just given what the evidence that we have he said you know i never asked for her to send these pictures and she sent them he would have registered as a sex offender because that deemed that is deemed as child pornography so <sighs> i may be sick but hopefully you guys learned something about keeping your children safe on the internet
Uh, so, uh, big thank you to KillerTrace.com for sponsoring this episode of Strange Talk Podcast. Thank you if you made it this far to the episode. You can go ahead and take your tin foil hat off. Um, so, if you guys want to give me any updates or if you guys want to talk to me or you guys want to send me any ideas for um, newer future episodes of strange talk you can do so by following me on instagram at strange talk podcast um if you want to f- send me an email go you can do so at strange talk podcast at outlook.com so thank you and stay tuned for the next episode of strange talk podcast which we'll be releasing the next week of Monday. so as always stay straight.